Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that ponders the philosophical and the practical aspects of motoring and transport. I'm David Brown, and in this program we look at new stories including Canberra launches an ambitious bid to host US giant Tesla Motors. We road test the new Toyota Fortuna. Sounds like the name of a Chinese restaurant, but it does go well in the outback. We also road test the Skoda Scout. And in our panel discussion with Brian Smith and Errol Smith, we take a light-hearted look at stories, including cops in the US use fake street evangelists to nab cell phone using drivers. Have a question or a comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now let's get the program going. First, the news. The car manufacturing industry might be finishing in Australia, but parts and service activities are still being pursued. The ACT government has launched an ambitious bid for US giant Tesla Motors to establish a research presence in Canberra. The partnership could lead to more electric cars on ACT roads, more solar panels on roofs and better education and training opportunities. ACT Chief Minister Andrew Barr called on the company to test its new wall-mounted battery packs in Canberra homes. Tesla Motors Powerwall batteries that will be available in Australian homes next year utilises technology from Canberra startup Reposit Power that allows solar panel owners to sell power back to the grid. Tesla has already announced their program for providing recharging stations in Australia between Sydney and Melbourne for electric cars. Volvo has announced an electrification strategy that will develop an entirely new range of electrified smaller cars and build a fully electric car for sale by 2019. As part of this new strategy, the car company said it expects electrified vehicles to account for up to 10% of total car sales in the medium term. Kevin McCann, Managing Director of Volvo Car Australia, was more optimistic. He said, We believe that the time has come for electrified cars to cease being a niche technology and enter the mainstream. We are confident that in two years' time, 10% of Volvo sales in Australia will be electrified cars. The push for a high-speed rail service between Brisbane and Melbourne via Sydney continues to gain traction with a high-speed rail planning authority bill reintroduced to federal parliament. Shadow Minister for Infrastructure and Transport, Anthony Albanese, submitted the bill for a second reading in October, almost two years after he first introduced it. The bill outlines the creation of a high-speed rail planning authority to get the ball rolling on the project. The bill would create an 11-person authority tasked with beginning detailed planning and securing the rail corridor. But high-speed trains are not just for trips between major capital cities. Large regional towns such as Ballarat could enhance its activities if there were a quick link to Melbourne. Australia has a new car brand vying for sales. The Chinese manufacturer Haval has launched onto our market with two dealers in Victoria, one in Sydney and one in Perth. They hope to have 10 dealers by the end of 2015 and at least 25 by the end of 2016. 
They only make and sell SUV vehicles. They are launching in Australia with three models, the H2, an urban SUV, the H8, a large urban SUV, and the H9, a large SUV that, they say, is suitable for off-road adventure-loving families. They launched their first SUV in China in 2002 and have become the number one SUV manufacturer in that market. They claim to sell more SUVs worldwide than BMW, Land Rover, Mitsubishi or Mercedes-Benz. Volkswagen Australia has unveiled its all-new Passat, the eighth generation of this car. It is slightly bigger but remains in the medium-sized vehicle category. The new Passat is more refined but it can be hard to make a quantum leap with a new vehicle in today's world that has already seen many car developments. It has a diesel option but it is not the one that is causing VW all of its current problems. New car launches and a focus on other issues such as safety, electric cars and new forms of transport are part of the recommendations that are being made to VW to try and revive its brand image in the light of the admissions scandal. Michael Barch, who has just taken over the role of Volkswagen Group Australia's Managing Director, will no doubt be aware of this approach. Encouraging cycling is more than just telling people to get on a bike. A major factor in taking up cycling is to have the right equipment ready to hand. Government departments in the ACT are starting to provide bikes for short business trips. At a cost of about $1,700, the Justice and Community Safety Directorate has just provided three bikes, with helmets and locks, from the Directorate's Moore Street offices, but they will also have one government car available. They're upright bikes, so you can ride in your suit or your skirt at a gentle pace. There's no need to wear lycra. And that has been the news. Two months ago, we had a look at the Toyota Fortuna. Now they have launched the model onto the market and we've had a drive. Funny name for a car, sounds like a Chinese restaurant or something you might order at the fish and chip shop. I'll have Fortuna, please. This is Toyota's fourth different model in the large, extra large SUV class of vehicle. The others are the Kluger, the Prado and the Land Cruiser. It is part of the market that Toyota has made its reputation for tough family vehicles. Tim O'Brien from the motorreport.com.au and I went to the launch in a beautiful part of Australia. Tim joins us on the line to share the notes. Tim, will Pina Pound to Prairie Hotel in the Flinders Ranges, was that not just the nicest bit of off-road driving you could want? Well, uh, yes, David. If you um, yes, if if you want to sort of take uh, motoring journalists anywhere, you might as well take them to it to uh, to somewhere, especially with a car like this. You know, to the Flinders Ranges. I mean, what what a magical place! And you know, every time every time I drive around there, I think, you know, crikey Moses, uh, you know, m- more of us uh, should get out and see all of these places because it is fascinating, isn't it? How changeable that country is. How you know the every every corner you go around has got another surprise. But yeah, a wonderful place, and in fact, you know, a pretty terrific car for seeing. You know, for seeing it in, I have to say. 
incredible variety. You wind your way through a range of hills where it was steep and pronounced, then you're down into the valley through a dry creek bed, then into the forests of reasonable trees, then out into the wide open plain. 60 kilometres of delight, not over-the-top rough four-wheel driving, the sort of stuff that I think most people could uh, comfortably uh, cope with. Yeah, it was absolutely de- delicious. I-, I could spend all day there just on those 60 kilometres, stopping and enjoying it. Yes, and now the fortune. Yes. Uh, well, I was just going to say, David, that I was actually thinking, and in fact, you know, I phrased it in, in my review, that, the, um, that we concertinaed into two days, you know, what a family might do on a, like a, you know, a 10-day or, or a 14-day you know, it'd be a terrific trip, uh, you know, those, um, you know, in the kind of car that, that, that we are in, you know, for, for a family, um, uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, um, some long kilometres of bitumen, long kilometres of, uh, you know, pretty smooth gravel roads, and then, you know, winding your, your way up into those ridge lines, you know, on, on the edge of the, uh, on the edge of the, uh, the, the Flinders Ranges and those fantastic vistas. I mean, the kids would love it. Yeah, it, uh, it's just a variety, as you say, uh, left, right and centre. Now, the Fortuna, where does it fit in? Tougher brother of the Kluger? Well, yes, yeah, certainly that. Um, the, look, the, the Kluger is the not a bad car, but it's really just a station wagon. Let's face it. It's got, um, you know, you can get it in, uh, you know, front-wheel drive uh, um, uh, uh, um, um, with a V6, you know, petrol engine, V6 petrol engine only, automatic only. Um, it, it's um, it's a very much a light duty uh, SUV. Uh, you could have taken it on on you know quite a few of those those gravel roads, you know that that, that we were on, but it's really not designed for that, David. You know the 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 Kluger is. Um, the Kluger's a sort of a, just a bigger, heavier station wagon. It, it's 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 probably just really the what the station wagon has has become. The Fortuner is a totally different kettle of fish. This car, you now we we took it on some pretty uh, light duty um, four wheel driving, but this car will go anywhere the Hilux will go, and there's virtually nowhere the Hilux won't go. You know the, these. These cars are amazing in, in the bush. You, you can climb a wall with them. You know, you can you can pick yourself up and over anything, and and you can pick your way down, uh, which is often harder, especially on really steep, slippery, you know, rocky roads. You can pick your way down almost anything because you've got all of this fantastic four by four drivetrain down below, and you've got all of these amazing electronic aids, David. You know that that you and I and everyone else, you, know, you press a button here and you can you can creep up. Something you, you you press the hill descent control button and it will just take you down at the speed that that that, that you nominate. This is look, I, I'm I've been thinking about this car. I, I think this is a this is a fantastic car. This one, I reckon mm. Toyota has really hatched a beauty here. Tim O'Brien, lovely to talk to you. I really do appreciate your time. Thank you, David. And that's Tim O'Brien from the MotorReport.com.au talking about the Toyota Fortuna. An interesting car, a very good car with an unusual name. And you can hear a longer interview with Tim and I about the Toyota Fortuna, where we get into more details about the vehicle, but also hear Tim's marvellous description of the looks of the Toyota Prado. Just go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. Overdrive. If you have a question, suggestion or comment... Send an email 
to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. The name Skoda is not that familiar with the Australian car buying market. Skoda is part of the VW conglomerate, which used to be a good thing. The quality of their cars has been shown in some way, in some surveys, to be better than the mother brand. And they are generally cheaper than VW. So now they make a vehicle called the Octavia Scout 4x4. And it's classified as a medium-sized SUV. But please don't judge it on that category. It's anything but a lumpy off-road derived vehicle. Brent Davidson uh, drove it at its launch in Europe uh, a little while ago. And I've been driving one uh, recently. So let's uh, compare notes. Brent, uh, it's certainly not in the SUV class, really, is it? Oh, God, no, David, it never will be. And, look, it fits in that subcategory between just a you know, dinky-die, run-of-the-mill station wagon and the, the, the much heavier-duty vehicle. It sits pretty much in where the, uh, the Audi A6 all-road fits, where the... Um, Passat, Volkswagen Passat and Golf um, quasi SUVs sit. The Subaru Liberty, another one, the Subaru XV. They're just pumped up and jumped up and steroided uh, station wagons. Without being, uh, you know, blokey, without being sort of o- over the top, if it is pumped up, it's not one of your Arnie Schwarzenegger sorts of things that tries to look totally over the top. I've got to say, I drove around, the kids loved this. They didn't, think, didn't say it was super luxurious. They just thought it was a really nice car. Now, now having said that, you know, they just got it and said, gee, this is a good car. So I think it felt good. I agree with you. I, I actually, um, I, I'm a fan of the Octavia itself, the regular sedan and wagon. The Scout really does it for me, though. I think this is one of the nicest Skodas currently available on the market. And I have to tell you, I am a little bit of a Skoda tragic. I kind of like the fact that the, the company has some spunk. You have to understand that even though we say these are uh, Czechoslovakian Volkswagens, the, the fact is it's Volkswagen underneath and everything else on top uh, is, is all done by the, the, the guys in the Czech Republic. And they do it for Czech Republic reasons, much the same as Australian cars have that certain Australianness about them uh, because, you know, we want to be able to fit a 44-gallon drum in the boot, mate. Well, the people from, from Skoda say, look, we needed to be able to reach this switch on the dashboard while we were wearing our gloves, that, just, you know, our big snowproof gloves that stop us from our fingers from falling off in minus 40 degrees Celsius temperatures. So they put big switches in the thing. You know, that, that's the Czechoslovakianness of it. And, and I really admire that. And, and uh, there is a real practicality there that you kind of don't see on, on some other European cars. In fact, in, if anything, the old British cars probably came close. But I'm going back to the really old British cars to say that, you know, the 60s and 70s. Ah, yes. Uh, I, well, I, I told you the story of uh, my young fella looked inside an old E-type Jaguar and there was a nice big switch, you know, those switches, yep. toggle switches that they had, and it had the word map under it. And he said, oh, satellite navigation. Yeah. Uh, no, it was the map light. Yeah, I should exactly, point exactly. Uh, but, yeah, they were nice, easy switches and whatever. I found the interior of the Scout was 
uh, you, you know, not overcomplicated. I thought it was, I think along the lines you're saying, it sat there and you could see what it does and you could see what you had to do with it. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Another thing that the, the, the guys in Skoda have done is they've, they've taken things for out of out of the Volkswagen that they didn't really like. I, I was talking to uh, a Skoda engineer last year in Portugal where, where the car was released uh, internationally and he said, look, um, Volkswagens are a little bit noisy uh, at, at, at uh, highway speeds, and highway speeds there being 150. And uh, I, I, saw, I knew exactly what he meant because I'd driven the car at close to 200 kilometres an hour that day and, and the passengers and I could talk to each other. Yeah, there was no huge amounts of road noise, no tearing wind noise. It was actually, you know, we didn't have to raise our voices. There we are, Brent. Always good to talk to you, mate. I appreciate your time. David, it's always my pleasure. Brent Davidson from the Newcastle Herald and the Illawarra Mercury. We were talking about the Skoda Octavia Scout 4x4. And Brent and I discuss the Skoda Scout in more detail. If you want to hear that, go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au where you can listen to the full interview or podcast it if you like. Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au. And the final segment of the program where we talk about some unusual, quirky news stories. To join me in, in this, I have on the line Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. And g'day, Brian. G'day, David. And I start with a story about Ford. They say a fresh face of Ford will emerge in a new advertising. And what it does is it links the unexpected achievements of Australians to the company's surprising leap to become a leading innovator. I'm not quite sure what Ford's doing, but they seem to be cashing in on a number of inventive young Australians. I'll give you one example. Yasmin Abdel Magid is, uh, grew up in Brisbane. She's an oil rig mechanical engineer, social advocate, writer and petrolhead as well as a UN Youth Ambassador, and she founded Youth Without Borders. Great person, but I have no idea how you can in any way relate that to Ford. Gentlemen, am I on my own here or what? Uh, well, I, I suppose uh, Ford's use oil, and she works on an oil rig. <laughs> so I guess there's a, there's a tenuous link there. But uh, they, they seem to be trying to sort of get these um, successful, you know, successful basically kids, um, or teenagers at least, and... and trying to equate their success with Ford's, even though, with, ex- with one exception, they don't work for Ford, except for, yeah. except for whatever they got paid to be in the ads. Well, that's true, yeah. <laughs> and Brian, you, you would agree? Well, yeah, I, I, I sort of, I guess they're trying to draw some um, parallel between their, their innovation and, um, uh, and these people's uh, rebadging of themselves, perhaps, David, as... As different I people, Brit, you like Brittany Beatty from Yeah, well, Brittany Beatty at least um, was someone who drove something, so uh, she's a, a bobcat driver. But she became, a, you know, a, a, went on the 2015 series of Australia's Next Top Model. So again, I think here, what this is badge engineering. She's um, <laughs> she's changed her badge. 
<laughs> and uh, yes. then, of course, Ben Pasternak. He's another fella. He was a schoolboy who became an app developer. So you Yes, know. because he got bored in class. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so isn't he sending the message that the education system <laughs> is uh, a waste of time? I think you're right, David, that these are tenuous, uh, tenuous connections. And uh, uh, my question, of course, is did Ford give all of these people Fords? You know, like, huh? is, were they paid? Yeah. Did they, do they now, are they Ford brand ambassadors? Do we know? Mm. Are, they all, are they all ambassadors driving around in Ford vehicles and they're not allowed to drive any other more brand of car? Yeah. And look, how innovative is Ford anyway? I mean, really, um, sure, they're the, the, the only car manufacturer left standing pretty much. But, um, again, a lot of, as Errol pointed out what? earlier, a lot of their vehicles are not, you know, they're masters, aren't they? Yes. Uh, well, the the other thing is they claim that they're going to become the only company in Australia who can still fully design and develop vehicles. Yeah. I, I'm not sure what that means to Holden and Toyota. I was talking to Toyota today, and they were saying the very thing that there is, um, uh, you know, they've got engineers still here in Australia and design studios and so on that. Yeah. Uh, are helping with it. Perhaps mm. the word fully designed might be what Ford's playing yeah. on. But the link to it, in, in the near future, you know, we're, we're going to get an all-new Everest, the all-new Mustang. Well, we've got the Everest about to come. Um, I just don't see how that relates to someone like Dwayne Martins uh, of the eastern suburb, who is a CEO and founder of Amazonia a company started at 22 years of age after dropping out of university. Here's the theme. <laughs> Yeah, it's the theme. Yeah, fail Dro- first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, if at first you don't succeed, well, get a Ford. <laughs> well, yeah. actually, that actually mirrors the first Falcon in Australia. It was not a great success at all, and they had to hurriedly uh, redo it. So perhaps, perhaps that's what they're building on. Yes. Well, but, but they, they they claim they're developing vehicles in Australia, and I, I was wondering what they really meant by that. I mean, did they mean helping Mazda design the next BT50, which will which will be made in Thailand? <laughs> uh, their three hundred million dollar local investment in R and D, and they will become the country's largest car employer from 2017 with around 1,500 highly skilled employees. So apparently they are getting into it in some regard, but uh, it seems to be. Next week we'll talk about brand ambassadors, gentlemen. Yeah, well, I guess and, at uh, least, David, they've drawn our attention to some successful Australians, successful mm-hmm. young Australians. And good luck to them, indeed. Perhaps that's a nice thing. Brian, you have a, a story of evangelists. Oh, David, it's a story about religion and transport, really. A couple of them. Oh. The first one, um, uh, police are needing to get a little bit uh, imaginative about um, uh, stopping people from talking on their cell phones or, or, use, or texting while they're driving. And uh, uh, they, they've turned to religion. They haven't prayed for it to stop or anything like that or or uh, made sermons, but what they've done is they've, um, they've put people out on the streets posing as evangelists with uh, sort of uh, repent and the end is near signs um, to, to look at people driving past and uh, ping them if they're using their phones. So one example, um, uh, this uh, young woman, a woman who, whose um, former brother-in-law actually was uh, killed in a crash caused by a texting driver she was caught um 
because her 14-year-old daughter wanted to, her to take a picture of this beggar, um, or the, or the not a, rather not a beggar, but a, uh, what they thought was a fire and brimstone preacher, a fake street evangelist, who turned out to be a cop. Um, mm. And, of course, um, uh, turning now to uh, a part of uh, Washington District where um, the, uh, a church has decided that um, a bike lane would infringe their religious freedom and it infringes it by preventing some of their worshippers from parking outside the church. <laughs> this is amazing. Let's, let's start with the, uh, the repent and the evangelist. I think it suits an evangelist, isn't it? They're sort of being very self-righteous, condemning a person who's doing wrong. Do. I just wonder if you, if you offered to say three Hail Marys instead of paying a fine. <laughs> mm. Would, would they let you get I, off? I, th- I think the, the morale of the story, obviously, is don't listen to your nagging teenager. Um, <laughs> I was wondering if the, uh, if the fine that the mum has to pay will be taken out of the, the pocket money as a teenager. <laughs> you did say that they, they might pray for the person. The, the other thing is I think the American police have their own version of laying on of hands. <laughs> that they might... <laughs> <laughs> oh. but, uh... <laughs> I okay. guess this is where the Cain and Abel story comes in. I suspect yes. too. Yes. <laughs> yes, this is this is a smile for the entrapment camera, isn't it? Yes. Well, yes. they claim it's not entrapment because they weren't encouraging them to do the activity; they were only catching them doing it. Yeah, well, in fact, exactly. one of the they, supporting they... Uh, one of the supporting cops had a uh, was pretending to be a panhandler, so he had a sign. And his sign, instead of reading, you know, homeless need money, read, I am not homeless, um, police looking for seatbelt cell phone violations. <laughs> I guess it prevented him, in a sense, from making a bit of money on the side, though, as he was sitting there with his hat out in front <laughs> yes. of him. <laughs> you know, are there other professions? A baker? They could then throw a cream pie in your face well, or something? Look, you David, know? the obvious one comes to me is the people who wash your windscreen at the traffic lights. Yes. They could make okay. themselves even more irritating by <laughs> fining you for using your mobile phone. <laughs> so instead of you winding the window up so you don't have to give them $2, you've got to wind it down and they slip a, a, a bluey through the window. <laughs> Look at your license with a, a $20 bill underneath, yeah. And this uh, r- religious group uh, that were the, the, the United House of Prayer, I just wonder who they're united with, given that they're trying to uh, discourage a bike lane because it infl- inf- uh, goes against their right for freedom of religion. Uh, it's a fairly long stretch as far as no, I'm concerned. I, I suspect if Jesus were around today, he was more likely to ride a bike yeah. than, than drive to church. It, yes. it was I have, like a long bow. Um, the problem was that they get a lot of cars parking at this church, and the city seems to informally allow them to park um, uh, sort of a not a, like a bit of an angle parking along out front of the church. The proposal yeah, so was for a protected cycle lane, which would have been like we see in Sydney, you know, with uh, curbing mm. that were prevented cars. Ah, yes, okay. Uh, of course, I, I'm a little worried that they have a strong faith as long as they don't have to walk too far. Yes, that's not but very they, tough faith. No, but uh, th- th- what about people with disabilities, I thought? You know, maybe they need to be- park near it. But then again, perhaps they should just pray for healing. Yeah. <laughs> <They> should- <laughs> yeah. In fact, that could be, uh, you know, uh, cast away your stick and walk. Yes. Sort of thing, or walk slightly further. 
Or cast away, <laughs> cast away your stick in carpool. Cast, <laughs> cast away your SUV and, and walk to church. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, David. No worries, David. Brian Smith and Errol Smith talking some quirky news, and they'll be with us again next week. And Errol, Brian and I discuss a few more quirky news stories, including the right or not to be able to write abusive notes on your speeding ticket as attested in an American court. Go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, Brian Smith, David Campbell and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive is syndicated to stations across Australia on the Community Radio Network. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.